Finding Happy, Seven Steps to Relationships That Will Not Steal Your Joy is the new book by me, Nikita Banks, a licensed psychotherapist and life strategist. Leverage the knowledge you'll receive in this book to help you with the process of obtaining absolute clarity through the use of guided self-exploration. This process is necessary to help you master all your relationships in 2019 and beyond. Go on Amazon.com or BlackTherapistPodcast.com and grab your copy of the book guaranteed to help you redesign all your relationships based on two basic principles, health and happiness. Get your copy today. Welcome to the Black Therapist Podcast. The Black Therapist Podcast is a podcast where we discuss the unique issues people of color face when dealing with mental health issues and mental health diagnosis. Now, if you are new to our show, I am your host, author, life strategist, and psychotherapist, Nikita Banks, in private practice in my hometown of Brooklyn, New York. I am available for both psychotherapy and coaching sessions, and you can find more information about that on my website, NikitaBanks.com. You can listen to our podcast everywhere podcasts are found, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, YouTube, SoundCloud, Pippa, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and BlackTherapistPodcast.com. If you are a mental health advocate or therapist and you want to buy our podcast merchandise, you can do so by visiting our site. And if you want access to our free mental health tips, free online trainings, discounted selective services, and resources, do so by joining our mailing list by texting "get happy" all one word to 66866. If you love the podcast, please like, comment, and share. We love to hear from you. And if you want to send me some feedback, guest suggestions, or simply to say, hey, you can contact us at our website, blacktherapistpodcast.com. Please be mindful that this episode and all of the information that we provide here is just a resource and a tool to help get you started on your mental health journey. If you are feeling any mental health distress or you are having any significant issues, please feel free to reach out to us so that we can find you a mental health provider in your area. Okay, let's go. Hey guys, welcome to another episode. Okay, so I have always been transparent on this show. And transparent in general, I kind of live my life as a semi-open book. Um, I have no problems or qualms talking about my feelings. And so today will be no different. I've told you guys last, uh, well, beginning of this year, I had a rough time. I don't want to keep going into it. Uh, If you listen to the other shows, you will hear some of the things that I've been struggling with and dealing with. And so... I kind of feel like I'm coming, but not fully coming out of the fog that I've been in emotionally. And I've just been trying to, like, put words to it. So I'm going back to my therapist, which is something I generally do. Usually when you listen to other people's problems, you're supposed to have somebody to listen to yours. I speak often about being the strong one in my family circle, in my friend circle, in what I do for a living. And so having having the option of having someone ask me what I'm feeling and how I'm doing unprompted is 
it's a it's it's a godsend. I'm at a point in my life where I just I'm overwhelmed. And not for any apparent reason. Like I am not super organized, but I have enough organization to know exactly what I need to do. My brain clicks really easy. I can find holes in anybody's business, holes in my business, but I've just kind of been like <laughs> feeling. And for the, the the week and a half I was in Africa, week, I was in Africa for a week, for the week that I was in Africa, I really was feeling as if I don't know. So I know that I suffer from seasonal affective disorder, which most people do. Just a lack of sunshine, lack of vitamin D. I am black. If you haven't heard, happy Black History Month. So um, black people in general, we sometimes lack vitamin D. And I've noticed as a as a therapist, whenever I'm looking at my client's medications, vitamin D is usually prescribed along with mental health meds and I I don't I was explained I'm typing guys to see why um I was explained the reason well the reason that was because it helps with absorption of your mental health meds but now I'm looking at an article that there is a link between vitamin D and depression and probably a lack of vitamin D. Um, Depression is leading cause of disability, yada, yada, treatment considerations, evidence-based nutritional recommendations for person with depression. Okay. So I'm looking at the article. Although vitamin D has recently gained widespread interest, little information relative to its impact on mental health disorders. Okay, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that this one article, and it's it's a pretty well-sourced article from the NIH, I think National Institute of Health, I believe that that's what it, what it is. Um, what year was this? Because I almost don't trust anything that comes out of this, our government. Sorry, y'all. But um, yeah, from 20, 2010. So I think I can, can understand it. But what I do know for a fact is as I'm going through the paperwork for a lot of my clients, vitamin D is prescribed along with these medications, um, <sighs> mental health meds. And hello, we generally feel better. I know from just the ebbs and flows of my business that during the summertime, people are are more active. That means that they are outside more. They're exercising more. There's release of serotonin and dopamine. When you exercise, you there's more sunshine. You can do fun things. You're you know you're more active. You're not hibernating. You don't have all these damn clothes on like I do in the winter time in New York City here. So I know that I'm generally sadder in the winter time, which makes sense, right? But um I'm going to actually read this article and I may quote from it later, but I don't want to do that and talk to you guys. And so yeah, there's a general lack of vitamin D that's happening with me right now. 
I have not been sleeping that well just because and I don't know why when I came, first came back from Africa I was sleeping really good for me I was up I was motivated but I was also sick so I couldn't really do too much of anything because I wasn't feeling well and then um you know I've hit a certain age in my last birthday not that I'm ashamed of my age. I just really don't talk about it a lot. But um, so now I'm going to all of these doctors and I'm relatively healthy, thank God. But there are all of these appointments that I have to make. Plus, I had changed my insurance. It seems like a whole lot of stuff about me. But anyway, I changed my insurance towards the end of last year. And so there were some um, appointments that I had been putting off until the insurance kicked in. So now I have like a thousand and eight doctor's appointments that I have to do. So yeah, those things are just kind of overwhelming me. And my son is moving. He got a job. He's moving away from me. Um, my dog is older. So just kind of thinking in terms of the grief and the the grief I'm already feeling and the grieving I'm already doing for my aunt that passed away, but also grieving the, my son is moving and then thinking uh, or having the fear that, you know, my son, my, my son, my dog is getting older and I, I kind of felt like I'm having a midlife crisis. Like I literally almost bought a BMW the other day. I was actually looking at Maseratis. And so I was like, holy shit, maybe this is a midlife crisis. So I spoke to my therapist and I was, you know, he suggested that I did a show on whether or not, you know, what depression looks like. And I wouldn't say that I'm depressed, right? Like if, if a client came to me with all of the collections of the things that I just told you right now, shout out to you guys, therapists. If you're a therapist out there, you probably know what my diagnosis is or what I'm about to say, my, I think my diagnosis is. But um, if someone came to me, you know, grieving the the loss of a loved one, so, so you know, soon as a month, um, having a child move away, you know, trying to make career transitions that I, I'm yet to announce because I'm I'm yet to even really discover what they what they are. I just know I'm I'm presented with a lot of different opportunities and some of them I wanted to take and some of them I'm mulling over and some of them I'm thinking about. So just kind of having those things and deciding, you know, now that my son is no longer going to be living with me in New York, what my life looks like post child right and then thinking if I ever want to have any more children or if I want to get a new dog or if I want to adopt or if I want to get a foster kid or if I want to move or if I want to move my practice or if like if I want to buy a freaking Maserati I feel crazy in the calmest most um, weirdest way. Because when I was anxious before, I, I've I've had anxiety, right? So when I was anxious before, I I knew what that was. It was usually about 
insecurity, like uh, dealing with housing insecurity or financial insecurity or career instability or uh, underemployment or unemployment. But I have everything that I need. So for me, it's like getting more. It's like going harder. It's it's about just being focused and executing the plans and the 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 building on the foundations that I've already done. And on the one hand, being terrified to pull the trigger on those things, but on the other hand, not allowing myself off the hook to get the things that I need to get done done right and having absolutely no excuse like previously the excuses were I didn't know I gotta my kid gotta get older and I gotta have a little bit more flexibility at work or I gotta work all the time or I need more money like none of those things are real for me right now those are not barriers so it's like okay so what is really stopping you from getting the things that you want out of your life or executing the vision that you have for yourself right now and I think for that, it's having that open space and opportunity. It's, it's, it's scaring the hell out of me, to be honest. And so, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm, this, is, this is what a midlife crisis is. But of course, I'm, I'm kind of not old enough, I don't feel, to have a midlife crisis. But I'm definitely old enough to have a midlife crisis. It's just like, ah... Uh, and so I'm not depressed. This is not what depression looks like. You know, there are certain diagnostic criteria for depression that I can, you know, say to you guys, yes, I'm dealing with lack of motivation a little bit because my motivation is definitely coming back to me. My mojo is coming back. Yes, um, I'm avoiding people and isolating a little bit because I'm still you know, showing up for places that I need to be. I'm still reaching out to friends who are reaching out to me. My friends had birthday parties. I've called everyone for their birthdays. I have an event that I have to do. You know, I'm planning on going to visit my family, you know, thinking about going on another vacation. I think some vitamin D would really do me well. And so I think I'm pretty okay, but I know that I'm shopping a lot, which is what I do when emotionally... I'm I'm not good, right? And I'm shopping like stupidly, like I'm buying a lot of things and then like returning stuff. Or I hate trying on clothes at stores, so I'm buying stuff and then, you know, getting home and like, I don't really like this and then taking it back like four days later. So that's like my emotional labor that I'm doing to kind of keep myself busy and things. But I haven't really been speaking to a lot of the people that I, I usually speak to. And I, I'm honestly sad about my son leaving and what that transition means for my life. And yeah, like I'm excited and intellectually, this is an amazing opportunity. And there are things that he can do independently financially that, you know, I love and I'll get better gifts and the things that possibly we will be able to do together um, because he'll have he'll have some some independent income. And so I'm really looking forward to some of that stuff, but just the unknown of like him leaving me and not coming back at the end of a semester or not coming back for the summertime or not having time to come back and him building an independent life without me is scary as shit. I have to be real. 
And then, you know, as women, we wrap a lot of our identity into the others that we serve. So for me, it's my patients, my clients, my child, my dog. And so to have an old, a dog that's getting older and to have a kid that's leaving me, it's, it's, it's kind of scary. He's laughing at something really loud in the room. I'm glad that he's laughing at something. Earlier, I wanted to murder him, just FYI, because he's so annoying. He's so annoying, but I'm like, oh, my God, I don't want him to go. I want him to go, but I don't want him to go. And so I realized that this is adjustment disorder. And adjustment disorder really, truly, I've talked about this a million and five times. I've probably never used that term before, but an adjustment disorder is that there's a life, uh, stressor, change, uh, opportunity or something that we have to learn and navigate. And these, these changes could be good, bad. They could, could be, you know, astronomical changes, but just changes that we now have feelings about and that we have to learn how to navigate those new feelings to, to bring our emotional balance into equilibrium. And so, yeah, that's where I am right now. I know that this is an adjustment that I have to make. It's an adjustment in my life. Change is, is one thing that is going to always happen. You know, the earth has rotated on its axis since I started speaking. The time has changed. Um, my nails are growing, <laughs> you know, so like my cells are moving and changing in my body and turning over. So these, I think it's not something I can control. Change is not something we can control, but you know, being able to be present with your feelings when you feel them, being able to say to yourself, you know what, I don't know how I feel about this, or I don't know how I feel about this, or I don't like this, or you know, this makes me feel X, Y, Z, whatever it is, and being able to honor that feeling when you feel it and sit in it at that moment. And so, I don't know. I just felt like it was kind of important for me to come on and talk about that. <sighs> All right. So part of what I have been doing to help me with this, I told you I'm going back to therapy. I'm not taking any kind of psyche, psychiatric medication. I haven't taken any medication. I think I told you guys I tried medication once. And the funny thing is I, I tried meds once years ago and then I found the meds recently. But I don't know. I don't think I threw them out. I think I just kept them just to like keep them. But yeah, so I don't need any any medication. I'm not like clinically depressed or I'm, I don't even think I make the diagnostic criteria for actual depression but I do know this is adjustment disorder but adjustment disorder is like a catch-all for anybody who's having any kind of uh, mood disturbance and so there's that but part of what I've been doing it's like I, I look got sidetracked a second part of what I have been doing is I'm following people online. So I'm sorry if you guys follow me on Instagram. You got if you you follow me on any of my social medias, shout out to you. Shout out to us. Um, usually I'm a lot more active on social media. 
but I haven't been lately because I've been really trying to protect my energy and I get a lot of I have a lot of followers but I have a lot of get a lot of spam daily that's annoying um the easiest way to contact me and get a direct response from me is to send me an email you can do that at black therapist podcast at gmail.com i'm usually really responsive my phone number is on the internet um not my personal number but the office number is on the internet so that's that's the thing so i've just kind of been not as social on social media as i used to be going live and checking in and stuff but it's really about protecting my energy. And for the most part, my my Instagram family is really, really supportive. I don't have a Facebook page. I do. I did have one that I ran a, a while back. And so I've just been unfollowing people on my personal Facebook page and limiting contact with people. A lot of my family and friends want free therapy. And I just, I'm not in an emotional place right now where I can give away emotional labor that's not related to my job. It's so strange. I have have all of the patients in the world for my patients and my clients. I love to, to work and do what I do. But, you know, for me, the struggle is just kind of getting up to get to the office. But when I'm in the office, I'm on fire. Things are normal. My intern is there. I feel like I, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But it's just the getting there. And so dealing with my family in these days, there was another death in my family recently. Uh, my uncle Vincent. So... Yeah, it's just it's I've just kind of isolated myself from the from the things that I think are going to have an adverse effect on my mental health right now. And so I kind of want to talk about the Gail King, Kobe Bryant, Snoop Dogg fiasco. It was on my mind to talk about it. I th- I thought I'd do a show about it, but I just I just don't have tolerance for the complications and the emotional roller coaster that I have to go through to to speak on the disappointment and the abandonment of black women in the in the media and in relation to those cases I mean I'll touch it I'll touch on a a little bit of of it so I'm of the generation who remembers when Kobe Bryant went to the prom with Brandy and we know he didn't end up with Brandy but I was kind of rooting for that good black love and it wasn't that I, I care that his wife was not black but I think that we all kind of have a collective oh man we lost the good one when that happens sometimes right and so um growing up in the in this the time where I remember the incident or 
I didn't really follow it completely, but I remembered what my feelings were about the incident at the time was like, damn, you know, these athletes, these guys, they really got to do better. And it wasn't really that I thought he had maybe sexually assaulted her or that there was a rape. I knew that there was an allegation and all the complications of black men being in that opportunity, being in that space. But it's kind of like, um, you know, to quote Kanye, when you get on, leave your ass for a white girl, right? And so I kind of didn't have that, but I was like, damn, if Kobe had sex with that girl, why would he think he could get away with it? Like, where's his team? Where's his family? Where's where's his mama at that they didn't tell him the dangers of, like, going there on a sexual level, not rape, because I, I can't say what happened. I wasn't there. I wasn't following the case. I wasn't following the trial. It, it got thrown out. The woman didn't want to testify. That was kind of the end of it for me. But I was I was profoundly disappointed in his choices. And in the decades since then, he's done better, right? He's an advocate for women's sports, you know, that black women play. He's an ally to women of color. His daughters are now women of color, um, you know, part of his legacy. And so having him pass away in that way was really sad. And I wasn't in the emotional space to even like cover it or talk about it or deal with it. I think it was it was great and sad that black men had to learn to grieve in that way about it. And I think for a lot of men of color, the grieving process is it it it, it translates to anger. And so if you guys don't know, I am a Libra. Snoop is a Libra. I love Mr. Snoop. You know, I've, I've hung out with him uh, a few days. We have a friend in common. I know his, his security guard. And he's he's the most respectful man that I've ever met in that environment. But he's still like, bitches ain't shit, but hoes and tricks. Snoop Dogg, right? And so I was kind of disappointed to see him as the mother of, I mean, the father of a, of a, of a young black girl. And um, a grandfather now, right? Even using the the language that he used to disparage Gail King for the question that she asked Lisa Leslie. I did not watch the entire interview, but I think in order to judge it, you should judge it by watching the entire interview. Um, I got why everyone was hurt. It's possible that what she said was inappropriate. I only say it's possible because I didn't watch the entire interview. I did watch that snippet. I did feel bad for Lisa Leslie. I don't think that that's why she was there. She definitely didn't want to disparage her friend. She was able to speak to her experience with Kobe. And I felt like that's what needed to be said. I think that her response to the question was the response that needed to be heard in that moment, which was, I think we all should move on from this. And and if that one moment in time and that one error in judgment 
you know, however you think of it. If you think of it as he sexually assaulted her or if he just went in a closed space with a white woman being a professional athlete knowing that he's a black man and knowing that he's a target and knowing that what could happen in this space with no other witnesses can be misconstrued into something that would jeopardize my safety he made a bad move and a bad choice right if that's all that happened he has now since done better and he has now since made different choices in his life that should, should be honored and should be the way that he's honored. And regardless of the choices that this man made, who's no longer here to talk about it. People have interviewed Kobe Bryant over the last 20 years. I don't re really remember anybody else asking about the incident. I saw a few interviews with him recently where one, one brought up because you wouldn't have the guts to bring that up to that man. Right. But if the, the trajectory of his life showed that he made an error in judgment, that he then corrected by his behavior, we should all move on. I think her response, although not the response that I, I wanted, I thought she should have went a little bit further with it. But the response that she gave was appropriate and it was necessary. Um, I think we should have just left it alone. I wish that Snoop didn't say what he said and he didn't say it how he said it because again, it makes black women feel unsafe and it makes us feel unsupported and it makes us feel like we can no longer depend on black men. And if that, that narrative is tiring and it's exhausting and it's sad and it's traumatizing for black women to be out in the world by themselves. Like I had an incident that happened with my son and I today. It was something very minute and, and dumb, but it left me with with the the question that was damn like I think he needs to so as he starts to move into this next phase of his life as he's moving out and he'll be on his own I think he needs to start asking himself how can I resolve this issue if my mother doesn't step up and and that's because I've been there I'll be there but we as black women we get tired of being the anchors to nothing, right? To, in order to be an anchor, you have to be submerged. You have to be underwater. You don't get to be on the yacht and float. You are down. And that becomes, just using that metaphor, it's a weight that we sometimes don't want to do by ourselves and it becomes emotionally exhausting. So I get why there's disappointment around, you know, Oprah and the Russell Simmons documentary and the, um, what Gail King did with Kobe Bryant in this interview. But speaking for Gail, she works for people. She works for she works for people. And that doesn't mean that 
that's an excuse. That doesn't mean that she should not be held accountable. That doesn't mean that her journalistic integrity should have should not have been questioned. That doesn't mean that you know she should not have been taken to task about it. But to get death threats, that ain't cool. That ain't cool, especially when we know that there was a safety issue with black women in this country anyway. Because when we expect black men to come to our rescue, they often don't show up, Terry Crews. They often don't hold us down. They don't they often don't take our side. And so it it felt very discouraging. So and I had to like unfollow and like block certain things. There was this black guy in like a political group that I'm in kept posting Oprah memes and um Gail King stuff and then there was a black woman and I was like, How is any of this yo, it's Black History Month. How is any of this taking us forward? How does is any of this providing us with a space of unity? How what? First of all, it's not even the right place for this. is a, This is a political group. What the hell does Oprah and Gail got to do with politics? So to see black women tearing other black women down, and to see black men tearing you know black women down, it was kind of it was sad. It is sad to me. It is sad. It's sad, yo. And I'm tired of I'm tired of stalling my mind and my space and my emotions and my peace, my energy centers with sadness. I want to, I want to fill it with something else, with love. I want to fill it with joy. I'm going to fill it with happiness. I want to fill it with things that I like. I've gotten really into, um, aromatherapy. Like I, I liked aromatherapy before and I really like flowers, but now I have like this aromatherapy pot where I bought like rose essence oh my god first of all i love roses but i bought like rose essence and gardenias and violets and i'm able to put it in and then it just lights up and my whole house smells like flowers it's like a godsend to me but you know i want you guys to do whatever you need to do to protect your peace in, in these trying times. I know that we are spent, it's an election year, this election is sucky. We gotta be active, we gotta be ready to vote, we gotta do what we gotta do to use our voice and use our voice, use our voice and use our voice, use our voice and use our vote to help advance causes that are going to see success in our families and make change in my life. I never really believed in politics and how politics affected me until the stimulus happened. And I was like watching them make the stimulus. I was like out of work and I was getting uh, unemployment at the time. And then they kept extending the stimulus bill. So it was like more weeks that I would actually be able to get, you know, unemployment. And it, I, like it generally 
genuinely affected the finances of my household and I was actually able to keep myself and my family afloat until I found another job opportunity just because the government decided to work on my behalf that meant a lot to me and and I've always I grew up in DC I think I told you guys this I went to school with Melanie Marshall Thurgood Marshall's granddaughter um did I say I grew up in DC I'm sorry I went to high school in Virginia Alexandria Virginia which is Nova Northern Virginia so a lot of senators kids Clarence Thomas lived down the street a lot of military um so Politics was really something that I learned in high school when I went to live in Virginia. But before that, probably wasn't something I was socially engaged in in New York. And so if you are listening to me, you know, I'm definitely going to talk a little bit more about politics, not who you vote for or whatever or who you who you support. But definitely talk about how you should should be politically active and how you could use your voice, whether it's with your mayor, whether it's with your alderman, whether it's with your city council, whether it's with, you know, the your state representatives to get your interests heard. And if you learn how to advocate for yourself and your communities, you will be taken seriously. Like black women are out here. We vote in and we are the ones to quote to to what is it called? Um, woo to woo. We got to woo woo me for if you want my vote in, in 2020. OK, and. I think it's important that we we start to have that discussion. We got to have it now because I told you I'm trying to protect my energy. But it's definitely a necessary discussion and a worthy discussion for us to talk about in the future. And I look forward to it. If you are a politician or a political strategist or a local elected official or you work for an elected official or you want to come on to talk about that I would be more than than happy to have you on okay and if you are a therapist or a licensed mental health professional or a community activist and you want to be on the show make sure you send us an email at blacktherapistpodcast at gmail.com I'm coming out of my fog I will be back with more interviews really really soon I have a few of them scheduled uh, or one in particular scheduled that I want to get on the calendar ASAP if she's listening Uh, we had a little pre-talk and it was like damn I wish I was recording this so I I look forward to being able to, to fit her back in my schedule but never you mind that uh if you are listening and you want to be on the show and you feel like this is a good fit for you send us an email and i look forward to connecting with you all right guys if you still want to buy our t-shirts and hoodies they are available if you want to buy the book it's on amazon for about another week or so (laughs) i don't know how long i'm gonna keep it on amazon because i'm in the process of rebuilding some of the web stuff uh something i want to do and launch within the next few weeks and so i'm thinking about removing the the book from amazon to add it and sell it directly to my web through my website so uh, but if you're looking for finding happy seven steps to relationships that will not fill your joy and you are trying to get your love life in order and all of your relationships and beyond in order for valentine's day or for your new year's resolution you want to get a late jump on that that may be a really great place to start because it has 
it's a, it's more of like a workbook, but it's more of a narrative workbook where I tell you different stories and different things that I think that will help you be able to absorb the questions. And what I love about it is, is it's a companion guide. It's something that you can use along with your therapist to help you uh, navigate your relationships and figure out what you really want and what you don't want, what you will tolerate, what you won't tolerate, and to find out what the blockages and the barriers are for you to get in the love life that you love. All right? Okay. Take care. Be well. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Black Therapist Podcast. Once again, you can follow us on all our social media sites at Black Therapist Podcast on Instagram and on Twitter, as well as Black in Therapy on Facebook. Or you can follow your host, me, Miss M-S-N-I-K-I, thanks, on Instagram and Twitter, as well as you can find out any information about me at Nikita, N-I-K-I-T-A, banks.com, and on the show's website, Black Therapist podcast.com and don't forget if you want to send us any general feedback show suggestions uh, show topics or guest ideas please feel free to drop us an email at black at gmail.com thank you be well